You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. You're not leading these people into the land of promise. you imagine being Moses and hearing that? Let me read you what I put for me. Even after being humbled, delivered, used greatly by God, and having walked with God for years in the wilderness to this world, I can still, still fail. And that failure may cost me blessings that God intended, but I forfeit through an act of the flesh. Pastor Danny brings a heavy word today and a serious warning that we all need to hear. When Moses acted out of anger instead of faith, even after a lifetime of following God and learning to be a man of faith, that one act brought consequences. Moses wasn't allowed to bring the people into the land. He'd given his life for these people to bring them out of slavery and into the promised land. But their failure left them in the wilderness for 40 years, and his failure left him out of the promised land. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of The Living Word. Let me just whet your appetite for Rahab in just a few weeks. (laughs) She becomes a Christian, if you will, and then she ends up joining the people of Israel. She marries a man named Salmon, a great prince in Israel. They have a child, Boaz, who also is a great man. And through their lineage, guess what? Uh, Through their lineage, a man named Jesse is born. And then guess who is born to a man named Jesse? young lad named David, who becomes the greatest king Israel has ever known. And his great, great grandmother is a prostitute named Rahab. What a story. Can't wait to get there, but not today. Moses persevered in faith. What did he persevere through? Well, I'll tell you the first thing he persevered through, and that is tremendous failure, great failure. He failed. He failed. Acts 7, let me read you just one verse in Acts chapter 7 that gives us uh, new insight added to the story about Moses. Acts chapter 7, verse 25, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. In other words, when he goes out and he kills the Egyptian, he kills the Egyptian, but he's got a calling on his life. He knows God's called him to be a deliverer. After he makes that step of faith, he he believes, okay, God's going to use me now to deliver Israel. But he makes this terrible blunder by trying to deliver them in the arm of the flesh because he's grown up in Pharaoh's household. He's powerful in speech and action. And he thinks, well, I'm the guy, you know, I'll go and get it done. But he makes a terrible mistake, tremendous failure. I don't know if you've ever really let this sink in. Moses, this great man of the Bible, 
In trying to do the will of God, thinking he's doing the right thing, he becomes, listen, a murderer. He's a murderer. You talk about failure. If he lived in our day and in this culture, he'd be in the slammer, maybe for the rest of his life. He was a murderer. He failed greatly. You read Exodus, and it says when the Hebrew said, who made you rule and judge over us? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? It says Moses was afraid because he now knows somebody else knows he killed the Egyptian. And yet Hebrews 11, we read that when he fled to go to Midian, the desert, he didn't leave because he feared the king's anger. He was afraid because he thought, man, somebody knows, but he didn't run out of fear. So why did he run? I'm going to suggest to you he ran uh, because he was frustrated and he's disappointed. And I could even put up here, he's probably depressed. What does he name his first child? Even though he's married now, and even though he has his first child, what does he name his first kid? Gershom. I'm an alien in a foreign land. You could, you could paraphrase that another way. You could say, here's what Moses was thinking. Here's his mental and emotional state. Even as a married man having his first child, I am not in the will of God. I am not where God wants me and God intended me to be. And it's my own fault. It's my own fault. He's got to be, he's got to have feelings of depression. But he's exactly where he needs to be for God to deal with him and to deal with his failure. What caused the failure? Well, just simply the flesh. Is it the flesh? It's his own natural thinking and his own ability to do something, and, and he failed. It was the flesh. And now on the backside of the desert, here's what God does. <laughs> for 40 years, he purges the flesh out of Moses. 40 years. Oh, God, I pray it don't take that long for us. And yet it's a lifelong process. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you think of the question that I think of, 40 years of flesh purging. Uh, but here's what, one of the things I think of, why did it take so long? <laughs> God, why did it take so long? And the only thing you can surmise is Moses had a lot of flesh needed to be purged. It was thick. Hey, again, he grew up in, in the palace of Pharaoh. He grew up powerful in speech and action. He was, uh, he was a man that was used to giving orders, not taking them. He was a man used to getting his way, okay, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's why it took 40 years. But after the 40 years, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, here's what it declares. After that 40-year backside desert flesh-purging experience, here's what it says very simply. Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. He's a different man. And after 40 years of flesh-purging, Exodus chapter 3. Oh, man. Look at this. Look at this. 40 years later, verse 1, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. The angel of the Lord, when it says the angel, not an angel, the angel, that's Christ before he became the baby and the man Jesus. This is God in the Old Testament. 
Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Let me summarize just the next few verses. God says to Moses, I've seen the misery of my people back in Egypt. And then he says, I'm sending you to deliver them. There is no question in my mind. Moses, at that moment, when God says, I'm sending you back to Egypt to be my agent to deliver them, Moses flashed back 40 years at the Egyptian mistreating the Hebrew, and he took action. And he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And by this time, listen, he knows how much of a failure he was in that act. But now after 40 years on the backside of the desert, most humble man on the face of the earth, and God comes calling again and renews his initial call and says, now, now you're at a point, now I can use you. Now you can be my instrument. And Moses is so excited, he packs his bags quickly and he gets on that camel and he takes off to Egypt. No, 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 no. If you don't know the story, that's not the way it goes, all right? Look, look, look. God says, I'm sending you. Verse 11, chapter 3, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. That's not good enough for Moses. Verse 13, Moses said to God, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father sent me, and they ask, what's his name? And what shall I tell them? Now, I wouldn't have necessarily liked this answer. I don't know if Moses liked it. I don't think he did, because as we read on, I think you'll get the idea that he didn't like this. But God said to Moses, I am who I am. So if they say, who sent you? You tell them I am. And then you think about that. You go into some people and say, hey, God sent me to deliver you. Well, what, what's the God? What's your God's name? I am. That's what he says. And then God goes on to encourage Moses and say, I'm going to show my power and you can't, you wait and see what all I'm going to do. And then you get to chapter four. And after God encourages Moses, I'm going to show myself powerful. Moses said, well, what if they don't believe me? Or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? He says, it's a staff. God says, throw it down. He throws it down. It becomes a snake. Moses runs from it. That's what it says. And then God says, after he ran from it, God says, now, grab it by the tail. Right. Huh. But he does. And he grabs it by the tail. And it immediately becomes a staff again. Then God says, take your hand. Put it in your cloak. He puts it in his cloak. God says, bring it out. He brings it out. It's leprous. God says, put it back in. He puts it back in. God says, take it back out. He takes it back out. It's healed. God says, if, if those uh, don't work, then go get some water from the Nile. Throw it on the ground in front of Pharaoh, and I'll turn it into blood. In other words, God says, I'm going to do miracles. Okay? I'm going to do miracles. Well, that ought to be enough. But verse 10, chapter 4, Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Now, wait a minute. 
40 years before, he was powerful in speech and action. But 40 years on the backside of the desert working for your father-in-law with wife and kids, life can change. <laughs> and so now he says, Lord, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't do that. And the Lord says, who made man's mouth? That's a pretty good answer, huh? And then finally, verse 13, Moses said, oh, Lord, please send somebody else. Now, I'm going to interject my opinion here. Of all the things going on in Moses' heart and mind, I think one of the things is if he follows the call of God renewed in his life now, I think one of the things going through his mind is, what if I fail all over again? He's satisfied to just stay where he is. He's been on the backside of the desert 40 years. He is a humble man, and now God calls with a renewed call. And I think he's going through a lot, but I think, my opinion is, one of the things is he's afraid he will fail. You know what? He did. He does respond, but... Notice this kind of mysterious section, chapter 4, verse 24. Look at it. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. What in the world could make God so angry with Moses on the way back to be the agent of deliverance? But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At that time, she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. Now, that's kind of odd, especially if you don't know what's happening here. What is happening? Well, he's the most humble man on the face of the earth, 40 years of flesh purging on the backside of the desert, a married man, and now following the call of God. But before he gets back and becomes the leader back in Egypt that God intends him to be, he needs to take care of some things at home. Because following in the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and those patriarchs, one of the things God gave to them was circumcision for their children. Circumcision. What is circumcision? It just means a rolling away of the flesh. It's a physical thing that had a spiritual meaning. The rolling away of the flesh, the same thing God had been doing for 40 years in Moses' life. And yet he failed as a father in his responsibility in regard to his son. And so, just like happens so many times, mom steps in and does what he should have done. And then God says, okay. And he goes on back to Egypt. But he failed. He failed. Family failure. Been saved maybe a year. I'm in Christian college, my first year in Christian college. And I went in the bookstore and saw this book. It's called With Whole Not Correction. I bought it. I read it. I highlighted it. Didn't have a girlfriend, didn't have my sights on any girls, but I knew, I knew by faith one day I'd meet a Christian girl that I was to marry, I'd get married, I'd be the best Christian husband the world's ever seen, and I was going to prepare myself so I'd be the best Christian father the world's ever seen. Five things ruined my dreams, <clears throat> my wife and four kids, and uh, that don't misunderstand that, it's not their fault. I came to realize there's only one perfect husband other than Christ, and that's the man who's never been married. And there's only one perfect parent other than God, and that's the person that's never had children. You can be a great parent, 
studying all the material. But real life throws you some curves. Moses failed. But guess what? Greatest king of all Israel and a great man of faith, King David. You read about his life, he was a failure as a parent. He was a failure. You read his life, a failure. But he persevered. What was it that kept him going? It was his humility and his faith in a God who was invisible, but he knew was real. And then over time, he had to learn patience. And he had to discover what God's plan for deliverance really was. Now, again, let me summarize the story here. You go on from chapter 5. Chapter 5 moves in, chapter 6, 7, and all moves into the plagues on Israel. And God uh, did plague after plague after plague after plague. There was a plague of blood, a plague of frogs, gnats, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, um, darkness that you could feel. And that added to the, the, the staff becoming a snake and the leper's hand and the healed hand, the, the water from the Nile and all that. In other words, all these miracles that God did, nine specific plagues. And after every plague, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And get this, get this, please don't miss this. Nobody was delivered through the miracles. Nobody. Nobody. And then you get to Exodus chapter 12. And I'll summarize that story. In Exodus chapter 12, God says to Moses, hey, this is going to be your first month and the first day of the first month. In other words, I'm making a new calendar for you. New calendar, starting all over. And here's how we're going to start this thing off. Every family is to take a lamb, and then you're to slay that lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and apply it personally to your house. And you apply the blood of the lamb. And then I'm going to send the death angel over the land. And when the death angel sees the blood that you have personally applied, the death angel will pass over you. It's the Passover lamb. And it was only when they sacrificed the lamb and applied the blood that deliverance came. Did you hear that? The only place you'll find the power... To see people delivered is at the cross. That's the only place. A lot of people are looking for a miracle. Miracle. Give me a miracle. You may get zapped, but you won't be delivered. It's only the blood. And thank God I applied the blood 19 years old in my life. But after that, listen, I've been walking a long time now after applying the blood. <laughs> and I made some mistakes along the way. <laughs> that brings me back one more time to our text. Let me read it again. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. And he didn't do it just once. They were to celebrate Passover regularly. And every year, every year, Moses looked back, the mistakes he'd made last year. And what did he do? Sprinkled some fresh blood on the wound, on the failure. It's only at the cross I find salvation. But listen, it's only at the cross that I find forgiveness for my failure and restoration and renewal. God will forgive me when you won't forgive me. God will forgive me when my kids won't forgive me. God will restore me when you think he's done. He's, he's missed the call of God in his life. He's missed God's plan. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> 
but maybe not. If I'll humble myself by faith, look to him in a fresh way. Oh, my goodness. The things that God will do for me and for you that nobody else will ever do. Let me give you one more. One more and we're done. It doesn't say it specifically in Hebrews 11, but it implies it if you understand that he kept Passover not just once. He kept it every year. And for 40 years, leading the people now that had been delivered by the sacrifice and the application of the blood of the lamb, and for 40 years, wandering in the wilderness, and every year he kept the Passover. And for 40 years, get this, Moses now was tested by the very people that he was called to lead. Did you hear that, pastor? Did you hear that, elder? Did you hear that, parent? Tested by the very people that you're called to lead. As a whole, you look at Moses' life during the 40 years of wilderness wandering. As a whole, he had become a very godly leader. But he gets to the very end of that 40-year wandering And you can find the record in Numbers chapter 20, verses 2 through 12. And once again, they're traveling. They don't have any water. People are crying out. They don't have any water. God says to Moses, go over to that rock. The rock is Christ. Speak to the rock. Now, years before, God had said to Moses, go to the rock, strike the rock. That's an illustration of the cross. The rock is Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that. Striking the rock is the cross. The Christ is smitten. And once he's smitten, you don't have to smite him again. God says, now, go speak to the rock. He's already been smitten. Cross is already already done. Now, just speak to the rock, and I'll provide water for the people. And you know, after all those years now, as a godly leader, Moses makes another mistake, and he gets so angry, and he loses his temper. And he comes back to those people and he says, you bunch of rebels, must I bring water out of this rock for you? Wait a minute, Moses, you ain't never brought water out of a rock. That's God. And he strikes the rock, not just once, but twice. He ruined the original illustration. You know what God says to him? For that, you're not leading these people into the land of promise. You imagine being Moses and hearing that? Let me read you what I put for me. Even after being humbled, delivered, used greatly by God, and having walked with God for years in the wilderness of this world, I can still still fail. And that failure may cost me blessings that God intended, but I forfeit through an act of the flesh. I'm not trying to promote my stuff. That is not my motive. But my most recent book, the just little booklet that came out, is called Don't Sink Your Ship. Let me read you underneath. It says, keep anger, conflict, and uncontrolled passion from shipwrecking your faith. I, I stand here before you, and I hope you understand what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> Don't start any nasty rumors. I stand here before you today as a failure. I know what it is to fail. I know what it is to fail as a a husband. I know what it is to fail as a father. I know what it is to fail as a pastor. But all of us, to some degree, are failures. Thank God for the cross.
Thank God that we can come back again and again and again. And the only place you'll find healing, the only place you'll find real forgiveness and renewal and restoration, the only place you'll find it is at the cross. It's the only place. You've been listening to The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. The Living Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Petersburg, Florida. People having idols might seem like an outdated idea, but the truth is people have all kinds of idols these days. It might not be a carved image or something that you literally bow down to, but what about your priorities? It could be sports or that TV show that you just can't miss or anything that takes your focus away from God and is put in a higher standing than Him. The book of Hebrews is great at highlighting how God should be in that top priority spot, and if anything else takes his place, then it's an idol. Do you see these areas in your life today? Well, we all have things that we need help to keep in check, and Hebrews provides a solid reminder of who God is and how nothing else can compare. We're so glad that you've taken the time to listen today. Here at The Living Word, we'd love for you to pray for this ministry. We always want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first, just like Hebrews focuses on. We need God's guidance, so would you pray that we'd always recognize His voice? Thanks so much for praying. If you'd like to connect with us in person, check out ccfstpete.church for our service times. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you'll join us again next time to hear another message from this study in the book of Hebrews, right here on The Living Word.